0: Welcome to The Good Budget Way, where we share real-life stories about everyday people from all walks of life who spend, save, and give to what's truly important in life. I'm your host, Xi'an. Thank you all for leaving all your comments about this podcast. It's been super fun to hear what you've been thinking as we get ready for this final episode of Season 1 of The Good Budget Way. I cannot believe that we're on the last episode. Last time, we concluded a two-part story with Chiming and Juliet. They shared with us how they sold one house and bought another and took us on their journey with all of its twists and turns and all the other families who were involved in their process. They told such a beautiful story of how they deepened relationships by talking with people they trusted through the whole thing. So if you haven't heard that story, definitely go back and hear the second part or the first part if you haven't heard it. In this final episode of season one, we're going to do something a little different. You all have been letting us know what you think about each of the stories we brought to you, and this time, we're going to get to hear from you directly on the show. So let's hear from our first listener. Our first comment was written in by Sean. He's responding to one of the most popular episodes of season one, number three, where Becky and Kenny talked about budgeting as a couple. So first, let's hear a clip of my interview with Becky and Kenny. So what's your favorite furniture purchase so far? I want to say... This really large mirror—it's really big. Oh yeah, I—I I don't want to say that because that—that uh, that mirror was so heavy and it was <laughs> extremely hard to put on the wall. So we're never was, uh, moving it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was literally like 200 pounds. Oh my goodness! It, you know the instructions said professional installation strongly recommended. And did you go for the professional no, installation? No, we did not. <laughs> that I, was a mistake. I got a neighbor to help me out. <laughs> Why is this mirror special to you? I think it was the first like big purchase that we made that is like more of a cosmetic um like style thing for our house. So yeah. a lot of a lot of other things are more like for utility like a desk, but this was like a like a piece like a statement piece kind of item, so Becky and I are very vain, and so we like <laughs> yeah, we like just, to look at ourselves in the mirror. It's, very it's a thin. full-length mirror, too, <laughs> it, so we get to magnify, see all of ourselves. Does it magnify your size and yeah. make you look bigger than you are? Oh, I, no, it's it's very real. It, it shows you you're real, <laughs> Well <what> you really <laughs> look you like. Really, it doesn't yeah. hide anything. So there we had Becky and Kenny talking about a big purchase they made, this full-length mirror that was so heavy to get up on the wall. And Sean says, he wrote in, Mirrors of truth are made to show who we really are. Now, I love this comment from Sean because he totally took it to another level. Becky and Kenny were talking about how this mirror is so real and it shows you what you really look like, who you really are. And Sean, I think, is talking about how mirrors show us even more deeply who we are at the core, who we are in our hearts. Um, And it's super fun to have that comment on The Good Budget Way because we talk about how Budgets and our spending, saving, and giving habits, those are a mir- like a mirror that reflect our values to us. Um, we have a whole blog series actually called Budget with a Why um, that talks about this concept of a money mirror and a money map, where the money mirror, it gives you an opportunity to look and reflect, um, see what you've done and, and how you might want to keep that the same or change it, and a money map that helps us plan out how we want to go on this journey of making money decisions. So if you want to check out that blog series, you can see it at goodbudget.com slash mirror. That's M-I-R-R-O-R. Thank you, Sean. This next clip is from Susie. She left a voice comment about episode five where Jeff bought a car and gave a car. He talked about how he thought about buying a car, even though he had one that was perfectly drivable so that he could do some things that he had been hoping to do to deepen relationships with people important to him and then, in the process, got to be generous with the car that he wasn't going to keep. So here's Susie responding to his episode. I'm encouraged to see how Jeff consciously put money or profit in second place to other things that mattered more to him. Friendship and generosity were more important to him than making money off his Civic. I'm challenged to see that there can be more important things at stake than money, and that I can say no to the money. And by doing this, I can find freedom from the hold of money in my life and relationships can deepen. Wow, Susie, I am so glad that you are inspired by Jeff's choices and the way he thought about them. That's definitely one of the things that we are hoping for through this podcast, The Good Budget Way. Because obviously not everyone's going to have the same options or the same possibilities that Jeff did. um, But all of us can be inspired in the way that we make our own choices Ways that we can be generous, ways that we can deepen relationships, and hopefully through that whole process, experience freedom in the way that we make choices with money. This next comment comes from Nicole. She wrote in about episode 6, where my husband Bruce and I talked about budgeting for baby and childcare. And I'm actually going to get to her comment in two sections because she asked kind of two different questions. The first thing she said was, I think Bruce and Chien's story is great, but I feel like it missed some details around budgeting, like how they calculated how much to set aside for when they were expecting. So I'll play you a clip of what we actually shared in that episode, and then after that I'll fill out more details. Okay, so now I kind of want to shift in and hear a little bit about how you were actually budgeting for new baby. Yeah, so we had spreadsheets. spreadsheets. <laughs> more spreadsheets! <laughs> There's a lot of spreadsheets in our life. I think partly because for me, when I don't know something, and I, I I get a little nervous um, and I work out my nervousness or my fear by making spreadsheets. Other people do different <laughs> things, but I make spreadsheets. Um, so we had a spreadsheet to budget for baby. And that included things like how much income we thought we wouldn't have during me taking maternity leave, um, as well as Bruce possibly taking some paid family leave. Um, and then we also had you know, estimated how much hospital expenses would be, as well as just like baby-related gear that we thought we might want to buy. Um, Obviously, babies don't actually need a whole lot when they're born, they mostly just need someone to hold them and love them and feed them. Um, (laughs) But there's also other things that we would want to have. Um, So we had a lot of those things um, planned out, guesstimating how much they would cost, and we started setting aside some money for that. Um, Before, well, during the pregnancy, Okay, so I'm a total digital pack rat, so I went back and looked for this spreadsheet to answer Nicole's question. It's from five, almost six years ago. It's called Baby Fund. Um, And the biggest section in it, we called income replacement. So that basically was trying to estimate how much money I or my husband would not earn by taking maternity or paternity leave. Um, Because even though I don't have to pay anybody to take time off work, I also might not be getting paid. Um, So I broke down, you know, which weeks I would get paid for, which weeks might be partially subsidized, and which weeks would be totally unpaid, Um, add that up and figure out how much money um, guesstimating that we would not be earning. Um, Same for my husband. And then a section that estimated gear that we might want to buy, and that I think I just looked at a baby website, which I actually wouldn't recommend because they tell you they you need things that you don't really need. Um, And then another section for medical expenses. And for that, I think I just called the insurance company and asked them to give us a sense based on our insurance plan how much it would cost to have a hospital birth in our case, even though obviously they can't totally tell you exactly how much it's going to cost. And then adding all those numbers up, we had a target of how much money we would want to try to save Um, From there, I made a goal envelope in our shared good budget household that my husband and I have, um, and we started setting aside money every month based on how many months left we had before the baby was due to be born. So that's a tip that I would really recommend for people, regardless of what you might be trying to do, anything that um, you want to save money for that also involves some kind of lifestyle change. Um, Because in our case, so we got to save up for baby fund um, and at the same time, because we were trying to save that money, we were practicing living on less than our income at that time, which allowed us to grow into our budget as our expenses might end up growing once we had this new child and that's similar for all kinds of people, people who are thinking about going to stay at home people who are thinking about starting a business or going back to school, anything like that, it gives an opportunity to both save up a chunk of change as well as give your new budget a dry run before the rubber really hits the road. All right, now I'm gonna get to the other half of Nicole's comment. Um, So just for some context, my husband Bruce and I were both working full-time prior to having kids. And then in our episode, we talked about how both of us ended up going part-time and then we asked a friend to babysit for the the other time that both of us are working. And Nicole says, it would be nice to hear another story or two in which a family budgeted for daycare as the option or stay at home. The options Bruce and she had are not possible for everyone. Yes, we all wanna make a schedule that allows us to be at home and spend as much time as possible with our family, but that may not always be possible. And to Nicole, I wanna say yes, yes, yes. We know our particular situation definitely isn't possible for everyone. And even for myself, if our employer or our ages were different, I could definitely imagine that we'd be facing different options and potentially making different choices. And the main thing on The Good Budget Way generally that we wanna put forward is that there are lots of really good, interesting, inspiring stories with people making different kinds of choices that can be really great and beautiful expressions of what's truly important to them in their lives. And we would love to share more stories like that. Now this next set of comments, which is the last set of comments we'll be sharing today, comes from folks who are responding to episode four, where Matt and Janelle shared with us how they downsized for retirement all the way to moving on to a tiny boat. This episode definitely garnered the most comments by far. And it really got a lot of people thinking, A lot of folks that we heard from essentially were saying some variation of, I cannot imagine doing that. So I'm first going to play for you a clip of Dale leaving a voice comment that kind of goes along those lines. Wow, I don't know if I could live on a boat. It seems like after a month on a boat, my wife and I would be at each other's throats. Yeah, I guess maybe I'm a conservative when it comes to decisions like this, but I would definitely want a ready planned escape route. Maybe I wouldn't sell all my stuff for a couple of months, just put it into storage. But here's to risks. Thanks, Dale. Yeah, it it does sound like living on a boat is a really significant set of changes. Um, And it's definitely not for everyone. Alan had written in and he said, seems like an oddball idea. Glad it worked for them, but not very applicable to most of us. And I think for my part, I would agree. I don't actually imagine myself moving onto a boat either. But at the same time, it sounds like it did inspire some folks too. So here's a clip of Debbie talking about what she took away from this episode, even though it doesn't sound like she's going to move on to a boat anytime soon. I love the creativity of this couple in uh, figuring out a way to do Retirement economically, but creatively, and not being confined to what would be a normal "quote unquote" way of uh, both financing and experiencing retirement. Yeah, way to way to go. It sounds like Debbie's big takeaway wasn't okay. Now I'm going to move on to a boat, but her takeaway was really about creativity creativity in imagining how to finance or save for retirement. Maybe not by downsizing onto a boat like Matt and Janelle's case, but maybe downsizing into a smaller home or downsizing into a smaller apartment. And the other thing, it sounds like she's thinking about a different, more creative way of imagining what the experience of retirement might be like. Maybe not golf courses and cruises like advertisements seem to tell us retirement is all about, but maybe there's something else that's more important to her that would be a better fit for her lifestyle and her values. Now, this last comment that I'm going to share today is super rich, so I'll play it for you and then respond to different parts of it because there's so much that it brings up. Here's James. Being in my 40s, I'm looking ahead toward retirement just like Matt and Janelle. Moving to a boat is obviously a huge change situationally, but I get the sense that the internal financial discipline has always been there. Your other episodes have made it crystal clear that raising children through to college really forced you to be disciplined. But as a single man without children who grew up in a family with a feast or famine survival mentality, I've been finding it really difficult to be disciplined not only for fear of situational change, but because it's so hard to suddenly break countless lifelong habits, even the small ones. Moved to a boat? I'm struggling to curb eating out. It would be great to hear about how people have changed 180 degrees internally as they align their spending with their values. Thanks for sharing these great stories. Thank you, James, for bringing your thoughts to this conversation. You definitely bring up a lot of really good points. The main point that I want to address out of James's comment today is this idea of internal discipline and habits, because those are such an important part of the way that we make decisions on a daily basis about spending, saving, and giving money. James mentioned growing up in a family with a feast or famine mentality, where it might not have been that clear when money would come in or not. And I know in my own family's experience, my grandfather's experience was like that, where there would be times when he would earn money, and that would be times to take friends out to eat, to celebrate, because it wasn't that clear when that next opportunity was going to come, because there would be other seasons where he wouldn't really be earning that much money, if anything at all, and it really was scraping the bottom of the barrel to feed his family of seven kids. That mentality really does form certain habits, and habits that actually make quite a lot of sense for certain kinds of circumstances. But the process of changing those habits is hard. It's difficult. And that's, I think, the thing that James is talking about, about changing habits with a certain kind of discipline is really difficult because habits, forming habits is like building muscle. And a muscle that hasn't been exercised for a long time, those first several workouts are way more challenging than the next several and the next several and the next several. So yeah, things like curbing eating out are difficult when you first start to work at them, which then gets to the question of like, what's a big enough motivator to change habits like that? Because all of us can be super disciplined for a day or two or three about anything. But to do that over many, many days and years, that actually primarily doesn't come out of discipline, like I can buckle down and do it. It primarily comes out of habits and motivation. So that gets to the question of what's a big enough motivator? What's your why? As we say, budget with a why? What's the purpose, the big important thing for you? Probably not, quote unquote, being responsible because honestly, saving for retirement just because it's the responsible thing to do, it gets old after a while. But perhaps there's some kind of experience that you really value and are willing to work toward. Maybe it's a sense of freedom. Maybe it's a sense of flexibility. Maybe it's something that you have wished that you could do for a really long time but haven't been able to. And it's the kind of thing that sparks passion in your voice. It might be something that you're willing to reorganize a lot of things in your life around, including not only how you spend, but maybe even where you live or how you spend your time. That's the kind of thing that can motivate the beginning of discipline that becomes habits, that becomes this whole pattern of, as James was describing, a 180 degree turn. So I don't want to just tell you about this idea, but I think what we'd really love to do is bring stories of real people who have can tell their own stories of going through this experience. The other thing is that every time we talk about discipline in a budget, I always want to talk about fun. Because... Keeping a budget that is all rules and no fun, no creativity, no flexibility is honestly impossible for a human. And that's why I'm a huge proponent of always having a fun envelope in any budget that folks write. It could be as small as $5 a month. But having that space to freely, creatively do something fun makes it actually possible to keep the rest of the budget. Also, because humans, all of us, are designed to have fun and trying to create a budget that makes us into robots, it just doesn't work because we're not robots. And that is all the comments that we're sharing today in this episode of The Good Budget Way. Thank you to everybody who wrote us with your comments, who left your voice comments to let us know what you thought about this season of The Good Budget Way. This is the final episode of season one of The Good Budget Way. And we are so grateful for this moment to reflect on everything that's happened this season. The stories we've heard, what you've told us, and what we've learned. We're taking a chunky break so that we can do the in-depth research, recording, editing, and all the -the behind-the-scenes work that goes into coming back to you with Season 2 later next year. In Season 2, we're going to talk about what happens when we don't have great discipline, what happens when we don't have great money habits, or just when circumstances are working against us. We're hoping to go super deep with one guest over many episodes to hear a whole saga of their financial journey with debt. We want to talk about everything from getting into debt to making the big decision to tackle it head-on to the roadblocks and backsliding along the way and all the way to finally paying it off. And we'll also talk about what happens after. To hear Season 2 when it comes out later next year, make sure you're subscribed to The Good Budget Way in your podcast app. And if you want to get sneak previews when they're ready, join our email list. You can find out how at goodbudget.com slash podcast. Thank you all for listening to The Good Budget Way. I want to express my sincere gratitude and a huge thank you from our whole team. This has been an incredible adventure for us and deeply inspiring to hear how our guest stories have sparked your own thinking about your lives. So thank you from all of us. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please do share it with your friends. And of course, as always, let us know what you think on our website at goodbudget.com podcast. And if you've been inspired to budget with a why get started on your budget with our easy to use tools at goodbudget.com or look for the Good Budget app on Google Play or the App Store. Happy budgeting. Dun <tune>